Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning into their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning an impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourself in, and let's get fucking started. How should I bring you into this podcast? How should I introduce yourself? Where I... G'day everybody, it's Dozer from Geronimo I'm un- Unfiltered. <laughs> we uh, we love to bring you the kind of conversations that don't have uh, any scripting but <laughs> loads of value. And today we're bringing in our leadership coach, who's not just a coach, but he's a friend and his name's Rowan Dredge. He's the CEO of Pragmatic Thinking. He's got over two decades experience in leadership development and he adds massive value to our organization and our group. And we want to have a conversation with him so that you get the good stuff as well. Fuck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I just did my own introduction. That's what we're really awkward. That is what we do on the drum of the podcast. We get it. So our guests introduce themselves. It's so unfiltered. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, um, to the John Mindfulter podcast. Yes, we do have Rowan here today. Rowan's our leadership coach. Benny and I are always working on ourselves, aren't we? We are CEO of Pragmatic Thinking, two decades of leadership and management experience. And yeah, we're blessed to work with him and very lucky to have him here today with us. So the reason why leadership is so important for us is because we know that for our team to 10x, we need to 20x. And leadership is often the sort of art and science of not just behavior, but performance, culture, vision, and all that sort of stuff. And for us to get the most out of our teams and out of ourselves, and we've got a big mission, we've got a big movement that we're working towards, we know that we've got to be the best leaders we can be. So Rowan, welcome to the potty, my man. I'm really excited to be part of this conversation. Awesome, dude. So I want to dive into some sort of theory that you've been working with us on. Now, for the listeners, we haven't prepped Rowan on any of this, right? We are unfiltered and we've loved getting the feedback from you guys. You love the raw approach to this podcast and then it's not, you know, artificial and stuff like that. So we're going to ask you some questions. We've asked our audience, our tribe and our Instagram some questions. We've let them know that you're going to be here today and I want you to give us the raw unfiltered, right? No PowerPoint slides, no prep. And then I want to move into where you see small businesses or businesses and leadership, the common sort of mistakes, where you see it work really well, or what's common amongst the top leaders of those top organizations, but relevant enough for our gym people. And then some real tactical stuff that they can take from this podcast. And after listening to this for 15, 20 minutes, they can be better leaders. Is that cool? Absolutely. All right. So first question, this is hot topic. My owner won't set me KPIs. What should I do? So this is probably from the lens of the studio manager. Yeah. So look, the first thing is uh, 
in leadership, you've actually got to know what you're aiming for, mm. right? If you aim, you know, for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Uh, you know, looking for a black cat in a dark room that isn't there and you find it. All these sorts of things that are that are going, what's going on in my world right now? I, I reckon the number one job for any individual, like let's just hit pause yeah. on our leadership conversation. If you're an individual with ambition, if you're an individual that actually wants to make a contribution and nobody's giving you a target to hit at, create one. That would be the very first thing I'd say. Like, don't feel like you need to be told what you need to accomplish if you haven't been told. Mm. And I think that the bit that's embedded in that, and um, this is the leadership piece, is work out what the target is and why don't you take the initiative and actually bring it to your owner. If you're the manager, show the initiative and say, I think these are the things that I need to be heading towards. These are the things that I need to be creating. These are the things that I need to be delivering. Have you got an opinion around that? What what would your view of that be? And actually initiate the conversation because one of the values of leadership is initiative. You see what's not there and you take up that space with value and good work. Yeah, self-leadership, right? Well, that's where it starts. If, if there's a gap and you've got ambition and you've got some excitement and you've got some intention, fill the gap. And if there's a problem with the kind of objective that you've created or the target that you're going for, then have that conversation with the owner. Mm-hmm. Is this the kind of thing you're looking for? I was thinking these were my top three priorities for the next month. Is there something that's top of mind for you? It's a bunch of different questions that you can launch and lead and own the conversation over. That's awesome. Let, let me take it from the from the owner's perspective. Why don't business owners, and no judgment here, right, but why do you think some of our studio owners struggle setting KPIs for their staff? Oh, man, that's a lo- there's a long answer to that question. Let me try and think of three things immediately or at least suggest three things that I think can be in the way. Mm. I think one is they don't know how to. How? So they have. Yeah. And then if I'm doing it, am I being too directive, too demanding, too uh, command and control in my Mm. style of leadership? And the truest answer is no. The truest answer is the clearer people are about what they're aiming for, the better. In fact, as a studio owner, you owe it to your managers and even perhaps your members to be clear on what we're trying to achieve together. Hang on. Say that again. (laughs) <laughs> Back it up. As a as a studio owner, you owe it. In fact, I'd be pressing you in this conversation that you're obligated to be clear about what you're aiming at, to be clear about what you want to be celebrating and what you want people to be succeeding. So the reason why we don't do it though, because that's the question. We don't know how. We don't know how. We think we're being too directive, too command and control. We think they should already know how to do it, but mm. most people don't. Mm. Now, I think the reframe on this is instead of it's something that we tell people, it's something that we include people. So if you're a studio owner, you get together with your managers and you say, let's talk about what we need to be doing over the next 90 days, the next 30 days, and how that translates into the week-to-week studio management experience, but also the member experience as well. Right. And uh, you know, I've been part of a gym just like the ones that we're talking to. And you can see the ones that are doing it with intention and you can see the ones that are figuring it out as they go. But I think the very first place to start is start with a conversation. What do you think good looks like? What do we want to celebrate? With your manager. With your manager. Brene Brown says, paint done. Tell me what I'm aiming at. Tell me what we're going for. 
Now, the advantage of that, if you're a studio owner, the advantage of that is you actually create such a high level of clarity for your staff, for your business, for the organization that you're creating, you stop what we call sideways energy. Sideways energy is me doing things that are not mission critical, me me doing things that are not taking me to the end result. But if I'm the owner and I haven't been clear about the bullseye, then it's on me. Mm. And the clearer I can be with that and the more inclusive I can be with that, the better we can be together. Mm. I think that's a really important step forward. The, the context on this one, so I've been on calls with Caps all week and KPIs has been a, a massive thing. And we've got managers who want to do a good job and they don't know what their KPI is. So they're working on what they think they need to work on and they're overwhelmed and they doesn't think they're doing a good job because they're working on the wrong thing. But they've never had that conversation about what they should be doing. Yeah, and that, that that's the bit that's missing. So if you if you sat me in a room and you said, Rowan, be the referee, you've yeah. got an owner at one end of the room and a manager at the other end of the room. Let's do that. Let's actually do that. So <laughs> I would I, I would actually want to go almost like, okay, what is it that you're looking to achieve here? What are the questions that you need to ask the owner? Take one step forward and keep moving closer to each other to get clearer and clearer about that's what's so expected. Fucking good. Right? So for the studio owner. The opening line that I'd be encouraging you to do is, are you clear on what we're trying to achieve here together is? Say that again. Are you clear on what we are trying to achieve together here is? Are you clear about what that is? For the studio manager, it is, can you please explain to me what we're going to be celebrating or what we're going to be aiming for or what we're wanting to achieve together? Wow. And and the, the thing is, it sounds easy when we're sitting around a table having a conversation that's unfiltered, but it's because we haven't been taught how to have that conversation together mm. and really celebrate the contribution of people in their different roles. Mm. Um, Marty Moore, he says that the number one job of a leader is to get clear or to ask the question, what's expected of me? Right. And so expectations and clarifying expectations is a really important part of the process. Let's say we have that chat. I listened to this podcast the other day, guys, and I need to, you know, I need to do my bit here and I'm going to ask you these questions, right? And so we get somewhere on this chat. Two, three weeks from now, my manager's not doing it. Mm. He or she's not hitting the mark. How do I have that conversation? Yeah. So the first thing, again, everything's a conversation. Yeah. That's the way I think we need to be approaching this and going, hey, what's going on for you right now? Because there might be a reason completely outside of work that the manager's struggling with the KPIs. Mm. So I'd be going, hey, tell me a bit about what's going on. Tell me how you understood our conversation from a few weeks ago. And how do you think it's going? So, so far, none of those questions have been me as an owner going, you didn't, you this, you that. It's all been from the motivation that says, tell me what's going on in your world, in your life, in your situation right now. Were you clear on what we agreed to? Were you clear on what we committed to? How does that make sense to you? How do you think it's going? But then that might be the first piece. So, let's call that kind of the introduction. Yeah. But the second paragraph is, well, if they tell you everything's going great, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Which is why you need clear expectations. It's why you need numbers. It's why you need things that we're going to aim for. Again, one of my mentors, he's passed now, but his name's Jim Rowan, and he said, it's a box. It's big enough for a number, not a story. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes, sometimes we love just put a number in there yeah. and go, okay, this is the number. You've told me it's going great. We've said 30. 
the numbers at 17. Tell me what's going on with with the gap there. What's the delta? What's the challenge? What's the problem? And then before you, again, before you make the studio manager or the staff the problem, you want to find out what's getting in the way of success. Right. So is there, is there something, is there a sticking point? Are you unclear? What's the interference? Yeah. Are you not sure what to do? Did Dave get upset and take six members with him? You know, what what what's going on that I don't know about? And so far, in this whole piece of the conversation, I haven't made one direct accusation or nothing's confrontational yet. Yep. I'm just trying to find out. That curious frame is really important. So it's curiosity over judgment. Yep. I think so. So what would you say to I'm gonna dig a little bit here and then we'll get to the next question from the hotline. I'm too scared to give my manager. KPIs in case they, they leave. leave. Where does your head go with that one, right? Well, let me. I'll say two things. I think, firstly, I think fear or fear of the story that I've created is one of the things that stops us from doing a number of really important mm. leadership responsibilities. Okay, so that's the first thing. So I will say, and I said this in a conversation this morning to uh, to somebody. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel the fear. That's all good. It means you're human, it means you're alive, it means you've got a pulse, and it all makes sense from that perspective. So you're you're not alone when it comes to that natural fear of either setting a standard, holding someone to account, or having a difficult conversation. That is a normal human experience. What we find in our work with PT and the work that we do with organizations and businesses is when people know how to own their responsibility, number one how to communicate the outcomes honestly, number two, and how to work on the hard stuff together, number three, things can get a whole lot easier, Mm. okay? Now, where I went immediately when you asked me the question was, do you want to give a studio manager a KPI and risk that they will leave, or do you want to give them no KPIs and risk that they, they will stay? stay. They'll stay, yeah. And, 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 and I think, because again, it's your brand, it's your business, it's your reputation. And people actually rise, generally rise to the occasion mm. when it comes to clarity. When it comes to here's what we're aiming at together. This is what we're trying to accomplish and if there's a, any sense of pushback or any sense of discomfort or any sense of that's unreasonable, then you've got something to talk about. Mm. But if you don't do that and you let them loose on your gym floor, they might be doing another kind of damage to the business. There might be an impact that's going on that you really don't want to have to clean up in three months' time. Mm. You've run us through a model before around high challenge and high support. So when I hear someone you know, scared of setting KPIs. Like where does that sit in high challenge and high support and what does the mirror of that look like? Yeah, well, I think that's right. So the, the context of that is we use a model that talks about the support challenge matrix and nobody naturally calibrates high support and high challenge. So the first question is when I jump into a conversation, am I a challenger or am I a supporter? And let's just say I'm a supporter. I go in and say, what do you need? Mm. How can I help? What makes this as effective as, as we can possibly make it? And then what I don't do is then say, so what do I do if it's not going well? What do I do if there's something that's gone wrong? And the on-ramp for that, Ben, is that is we talk about just use the words. How can I support you to achieve this goal? And if I was to challenge you or stretch you or get you to grow as part of the process, what would that look like? Mm. And then when you ask that question, you can go, and so when you're stretched and when you're growing, how can I support you? 
So in a way, some of it is just learning the language. Right. Just ask the question, how can I support you? Where do you need to be challenged? What would a stretch look like? If you were able to give a little bit more and grow at the same time, what would that look like along the way? And again, let's come back to real tactical. You can't go into one of those conversations and say that for the first time. You've actually got to practice. Right. You've actually got to hear yourself say these words, ask these questions, and then own them in your own voice. And I think that becomes a really important part of it. But the key is, and I, I, these two are two of my favorite questions is, uh, how do we know we're succeeding in working together? Is one of my, my favorite questions. But the other one is, when things aren't working, how do you want me to bring that up with you? Wow. So again, it's the permission giving. Because I, I remember back in the day, I had three different people working for me. And I once said to them, if things aren't going well, how do you want me to have a conversation with you? You know, one of them said, just tell me direct. Yeah. You know, the other one said, give me a little bit of time to reflect on it and then ask me how I'm going. And the third one said, just sidle up to me, stand next to me, you know, just look in my eyes and, and just go, you know, <laughs> things okay. Three different people, three direct reports, three different strategies. But I would never have known if you I had to ask the question. Ask. So owners to managers, you want to be saying to them, hey, not just let's get clear on what success looks like or what good looks like, but let's, okay, if it's not working well, how do I have that conversation with you? Got it. Uh, if it's not working well and I can see that you can be developed in a certain area, how do you want me to bring that up? Right. And before you even have the conversation, you've created not just the, the space for the conversation, but the permission to have it. So good. In the last week, I've spoken to 100% of our clients that are in Million Dollar Studio, and I asked the question, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and then we started magically kind of helping you with X, what would X be? Every single person, no exaggeration, said that they needed help with staffing, finding the right people, getting them to stay and to be sitting in the right seats to perform, but mainly just staffing. And it's so hard to find good trainers and good people to work with me. Then in another call in the same week I had with all of the managers, not one of them had KPIs, but they wanted them. So they were working and feeling burnt out and not knowing like if they'd done a good job or not by the end of the week. And I just think it's an important thing to bring up and just kind of say that if you're one of those people who says that they need help with staffing, I would definitely be thinking about what the points have been so far in the podcast episode we're doing today and and ask yourself, where are you feeling a bit triggered by what Rowan's saying and what do you kind of need to implement because of that? Mm. Let's just say it's not a gym owner and studio manager problem. It's everything. It's like, everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere because we haven't asked ourselves the question, what kind of a team do we want to be? And an owner, for example, hasn't turned around and said, what am I inviting people into? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. So I, I've run my own business for 17 years. And uh, at the start of 2022, I made the decision to join Pragmatic Thinking as the CEO. Initially, for two main reasons. I've got a personal and professional relationship with the founders. Yeah. That was the, the first reason. And there was a strong sort of sense of synergy with the role. But what PT does brilliantly, and I had this clear in my own business prior to, PT knows exactly what they're inviting the team into. So what we do is we had a bumper sticker, an identity statement, a purpose, however you want to describe it. But we say we make a difference to the difference makers. So we have this as a statement. 
And that was singularly the phrase that would convince me to join this business. Right. Because I want to get up every day and do that. And that lets us not just deliver a particular kind of work in a particular kind of way, but it lets us decide who we're going to work work with with. as well. Yeah. So if the person's not ambitious, literally the metaphor works perfectly. You can't do the push-ups for someone else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so as a studio owner- You've got to ask yourself the question, what am I inviting a manager into? What mission critical experience are we saying, let's be part of this? Because when you think about it, you're inviting people to get incredible value and benefit out of a regular training discipline and a regular training experience. But the physical science behind that, the physical science behind endorphins and behind what you get and who you can become just by training well is incredibly brilliant. And so I encourage people when they think about what they're trying to do is to think about it in a really ambitious way and invite the studio managers into that story and bring their best efforts. What if the owner doesn't know what that story is? Yeah, wow. So then then you start with the question, you start to think about what do I want to be celebrating? What do I want to create for people? Mm. And what do I want to be able to see, what results and what progress do I want to be able to celebrate in people's lives and worlds, Mm. okay? The question we talk about is the identity question. As a studio, who do we need to be? As a studio owner, who do I need to be right now? As a studio manager, who do I need to be right now? And the identity question we know from behavioral science is one of the most critical questions that you've got to answer to invite high performance in your team and organization when you know who you need to be. And in fact, I'd go as far to say, given that we're unfiltered- Fucking give it, Rose. Give it, son. Go feed him, feed him. I'd go as far to say, over the last several years, I've decided to jettison the idea of mission, vision, and values and introduce the idea of identity, behaviors, and support because I think it's critical. and, And again- I'm proud of the work that we do at PT around that because when you know who you need to be, it answers the question around how I need to show up, what my strengths are, what my superpowers are, what my vulnerabilities are, but it creates a space for that to be worked on and engaged and navigated together. Mm. But you've got to be asking somebody to join you on a noble quest. It's got to be worthwhile and it's got to be more than here's my before photo and here's my after photo. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. I want to make sure everyone catches this. You said identity, behavior and support, right? So it's the owner's obligation to have an identity for their studio, right? And then behavior and support. Like the behavior is like letting your team know like what the performance standards are. And the support is is making sure that they have everything that they need from you to, to hit those numbers. So and from each other. Yeah, yeah. So if if if, if managers don't have KPIs, that behaviour part is not there, and the support part is probably not there. And I dare say the identity isn't there either. Yeah, and and but again, I don't hold people accountable for something they don't know. Mm. And you know, if there's a if there's a theme in this conversation, which is what are the obligations and the responsibilities and the expectations of an owner. What are the obligations, responsibilities, and expectations on a manager? And how do we bring those two things closer together? Okay. And I think that's really, really important. But as an owner, if it's your studio, if it's your business, if it's your thing, you need to be able to answer the question, as a business, as a studio, who do we need to be for our clients right now? Who do we need to be? 
And when you can really tap into that identity, it connects with something really deep inside us as human beings. We love it. We love the idea of how we can actually aspire to something. And that is one of the invitations to high performance because I may not be all the things that I've just said that in that identity statement, but I can aspire to I want to be. It. I can work towards it. I, I can know what learn I can the skills. I can, I can navigate through those challenges. Love that, brother. That was fire. Okay, so the next question from the hotline, and this is a sensitive one, right? And we're going to remain anonymous, and this is happening in a few of the studios that we know of, um, and it's between the two partners. So how do you lead your business partner effectively and to be on the same page as you? (laughs) That's juicy, right? Yeah. Yeah, look, um, partnerships are a real challenge when they don't work, Mm. right? So I remember one person describing marriage, for example, it's the closest thing to heaven or hell you'll ever experience in your (laughs) life, right? Sometimes it could be a little bit of both on various occasions and and uh, that's on me, by the way. I'll just be really clear about that. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just to be really clear. So I think, again, the first thing is, what's the key relationship here? Because if you're looking at a business or if you're looking at a an agreement that you've made, there's always going to be a benefit of that agreement or a benefit of that relationship. And there's always going to be a vulnerability. And I, in the work that we do, I think one of the most important conversations to have is, if this didn't work out, what would happen? Mm. And in fact, when we have those conversations with organizations, oh, we want to be like this, and this is our identity moving forward, and we're committing to these high-performance behaviors, and then we follow this up with, okay, well, if it didn't work out, what would happen? And a whole nother layer of honesty and vulnerability comes out. So I think the first thing I'd be saying is to partners, you've got to have what what I like to call the train wreck conversation. If this didn't go well, if this didn't go well, what would be happening, Dozer? That is such a key question. So I think the first thing is, is if this didn't work out, what would happen? The second thing is, is you've got to make sure that if there's tension in the partnership, it doesn't spill over into the business. That's right. And the very first sign of that dissension, that tension, that disconnection, the disengagement, go get help right? Because what you will probably discover is that it's easier to solve than you think. What is the help? The, I think there's an external party of right. some kind, right. someone that can actually help you identify what the actual problem is you're trying to solve and what you need to do moving forward. Now, that said, hmm. the one big lesson I've learned about any kind of partnership across 30 years of doing this work is unless both sides of the equation want it to work, it won't work. And that's both sad, frustrating, and a glimmer of hope all at the same time. Why hope? Because if both do, then the answer is they don't know how. Ah. And so it's about that sense of awareness, humility, I didn't understand that, we don't know how to have these kinds of conversations. But if you get to a point where one or both don't want it to work, then I'm not sure I've actually seen one be resurrected. That's a real talk here. And that's very, very costly and very, very awkward. And it's toughy, to be really honest. Mm. Yeah, uh, there's no easy answer. What's a question you wish I'd asked? 
And how would you have responded? Yeah, so I wish you'd asked me, how can studio owners and studio managers work together to really elevate the member experience? And how would you answer that? I would say- <laughs> Good That's a good one. And again, and the reason why I'd ask that question is because, you know, my expertise is in people, right? My expertise is in watching people, understanding the behavior of people, navigating and crawling and aligning those things as well as they possibly can. And my view on that is, let's use the gym as the lab, so to speak. That is one of the most beautiful places where you see all sorts of personalities, all sorts of motivations, and all sorts of experiences come out. And I reckon what if a studio owner and a studio manager can learn to do three things really, really well? Oh, is this a writer downer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Absolutely. Writer downer. <laughs> so the very first thing is watch. What does a person's body language, what does a person's facial expression, what does a person's tone of voice and words, what do they tell you about what's going on for them right now and what do they need? So observe would be the first one. Second is to develop the skill of instant connection and rapport. And and then thirdly, be brave enough to challenge the Mm. and be brave enough to work out what positive psychology, what kind of words, what kind of experiences does that person need at that point in time to actually help them progress. Mm. And when all else fails, like science tells us that if you just encourage people, they're likely to try harder. If you just encourage people. So, uh, you know, in, in, in my studio, whenever somebody used my name said that I was doing something well and encouraged me to keep going. Sounds kind of simplistic, but it doesn't happen all the time. You're more motivated to keep going. But it starts by having like a bigger sense of that person's behavior is telling me something. That person's facial expression is telling me something. I need to go in and check if they're okay. Mm. It's the people watching side Mm. of things and then having the courage to jump into their world and go, just noticing this, how can I help with that? Mm. And uh, that kind of subtle nuance can turn up as real genius and frankly, client care, uh, which I reckon is a really important part of the experience. Mm, That's gold. I'm so glad you asked yourself that question. (laughs) (laughs) So if we interrogate the most successful sort of leaders across all the organizations that you've worked with, and you work with some, like, are you allowed to kind of rattle off a couple of food chips? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we work with Siemens, Suncorp, Laminex, government organizations, large local councils, Qantas, uh, Toyota, Geronimo, uh, yeah. Unfiltered. <laughs> so amongst the, the most successful leaders, and I'm through the lens of like our beautiful audience who we love, we respect, these are the people that are helping transform so many other people, right? What are the common traits what are the common behaviors or what's common amongst the world-class leaders that our amazing studio owners and managers can take from this podcast and execute from tomorrow onwards and instantly become better leaders? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say, and you know, as I said before, I, I looped back and said to this person, there's nothing wrong with you. So the first thing I'd say is the journey towards leadership or the commitment to leadership is exactly that. It's a journey. You're a pilgrim. And perfection is not what's expected, Mm. but progress is. And so to sort of breathe out and lighten the load right at the start, the commitment that I'd be asking from owners and managers and trainers is let's commit to getting better. 
Let's commit to improving and commit to learning what it is that we need to learn to be effective together. That starts the next conversation, which is what do we need to do to be effective together? What do we need to do to be world-class? What do we need to do to deliver on our promises? And again, most people think it needs to be textbook, perfect, formulaic. It's not. It's a conversation. So you start with the conversation that says, who do we need to be for our members? Who do we need to be for the people that are paying us to give them value? And then what's the gap between where we are now and where we want to be? And how do we all commit to getting there? What do we do when it gets hard? What do we do when it goes wrong? These are just simple conversations that we do week in and week out with clients. And in a way, when you do it for a living, you think people can figure that stuff out. Most of us need help. Most of us need help to work those things out. And then I go all the way back to a book I read in the late 90s by Warren Bennis and Bert Nannis. They were the um, Stanford professors of leadership, and they wrote a book called Leaders, The Strategies for Taking Charge. And in it, they said, the thing that distinguishes a good leader from a great leader is the ability to learn new skills. Learn new skills. So again, the last thing I'd say is, how do we commit to each other and ourselves to actually get better at something, to get better at communication, better at having the tough conversation, better at inspiring, motivating, creating a preferred future. How do we do those things? And uh, that's why I think the work of Geronimo is so essential because you're almost that, not almost, you are that trusted advisor that can help the organizations achieve these things, but with a whole lot more kind of intensity and a whole lot more commitment while they run their businesses. It's like you're alongside them day in, day out, week in, week out, supporting them with those things. Ah, that's fine, man. So the question is, so we sorted out the alignment with the managers. Most studio structures, like team structures, there's a manager and there's a bunch of casuals. How do they get the casuals involved? Mm. How do they get the casuals aligned? And again, it's not a uh, question that the fitness industry is asking. Oh, Hospitality yeah, asks yeah, 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 it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a whole lot of other environments and, and places that, that ask it. I think there's an enormous amount of literature around emerging generations and who's entering the workforce and what they want from work. And I can identify half a dozen different people, all 30 years of age, all at different stages in their career and their place in the workforce. And to be quite frank, they all want different things from the work that they're doing and the work that they're part of. But again, you know, without wanting to repeat myself or be overly simplistic, the first thing is to invite this person, irrespective of their role, full-time, part-time, casual, you want to invite them into something compelling, inspiring, and just a little bit scary. I agree, that. And if they don't want to be part of that, casual or otherwise, they won't stay. Yeah. And but my question is but back on the owner, like looking in the mirror, why should they? Mm. What reason are we giving them to buy into this? Yeah. And what is it and how have we languaged that? So yeah. you know, I want to be inviting people into something that's pretty inspiring. Yeah. That's got a little bit of ambition attached to it that says, I want to be part of this. Yeah. I want to be involved in in how this works. So that's a little bit esoteric, I get it. But I think the second piece is irrespective of the person's role, you want to ask them, what do they want from the role? 
What will they give to the role? And how do we get the most out of each other for the period of time that you are here? Together, yeah. Okay? So I think, you know, that's a frustration. But for the period of time that you are here, how do we make this great? Mm. What does it look like? How do you get better because of it? How do you want to be stretched, inspired, motivated, challenged? What do you want from being here? And when you ask those questions, so can I be a bit clear about who we are and what we're about and what we stand for and bringing those things together? And I think, I think that's really important. And thirdly, it's an imperfect science. You know, as I even hear myself answer the question, everything I've just said, somebody's got a story that says, yeah, Rowan, that's exactly what's going on. That's what we should be doing. And that's what I tried last Wednesday and they didn't turn up Thursday, right? So I get it, right? I get it. It's an imperfect science. It's not the way we all want it. But then it goes back to what you said earlier about like, it's the ability to keep trying new skills and keep finding a way. It, it's, and being that anti-fragile, which you talk about. It's that, but it's also, you know, again, oh, you lead out of your value system too. And one of my highest values is personal responsibility. So if it's not working, what have I done to create what's not working? Ah. I don't enjoy that process, by the way, yeah. because, you know, there's always an answer there somewhere. But if I'm an owner and a manager and I'm turning over casuals week in and week out, there's something in the way our way of working that's not working. Do you know what? Like, yeah, one of our mentors talks about this question. If something has not gone wrong or, or, or if it's gone right, it's a question that puts it back on us, which is, is what might I have done to contribute or how might I have contributed to this situation? That's a key question. Outcome. And it's so uncomfortable to ask. Yeah. Another way of saying that is, yeah, if people don't fail, systems fail. So if you've got 27 casuals who are bouncing out, it might not be the 27 casuals. Oh. It reminds me of like a, a footy analogy, right? Like you've got people on the bench, like they're not in your starting lineup, they're not your A players, but like, guess what? Like you need the people on the bench mm. and they come on the field, maybe it's for five minutes, maybe it's for 10 minutes, but they've got a role to play. They've got an impact to make um, and they're just as important as, as everyone else on the team. We used to call our casuals, not casuals, we used to call them our impact players. So we'd bring them on when we needed some impact, right? And so they felt like they had a sense of, an identity around not just like Jimmy that does three shifts a week, but mate, you're an impact player. Dude. When we put you on the roster, fuck, we want you to bring the heat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that reframing is part of the leadership process. Yeah. What are we doing that's actually elevating their contribution? And to what extent are we pointing it out? Mm. How often do we say to the people that work with us and work for us, your contribution was this, and this is the impact that it makes in these ways. Yeah. As Australians, you know, and I know this is a global conversation, but Australians particularly, we're not great at telling people what they've done that's brilliant, what they've done that's outstanding, and the contribution oh, the that they've made. And, yeah. and, you know, if I've got an obsession, I've got a few, but if I had one of them, one of them is, let's change that. Yeah, great. I, you know, I talk about this idea of if you see it in them, say it to them. Yeah, it's great. Tell them what it is that they've done well. Tell them about the impact. Thank them for it. Appreciate them. And it can go a long way. I know we need to get you on a plane. I've got two questions. First question is, where can people find you, right? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. And uh, if you just look up my name, Rowan Dredge, R-O-H-A-N Dredge, and uh, you'll find me. I don't think there's too many of us. Yeah. Um, there's certainly none lined up to be me, so... Uh, <laughs> and we'll have those links in the show notes as well. Yeah. We'll also put together a bit of a, a little handy resource for our audience to help them be better leaders, because if we can help these guys be better leaders, we're going to change an industry, and that's what we're here to do. So we'll have that link in the show notes as well. The last question is, in totally unfiltered, 
totally unfiltered. You're our coach. You're our leadership coach. Where do I need to improve as a leader? And where does he need to improve as a leader? <laughs> and that's all we've got time for today, guys. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. <laughs> I don't know. Can we just check if they paid their invoice? If, uh, if they invoice? paid their... <laughs> what? Uh, we've just spent four hours together. So for the sake of our listeners, we've just spent four hours together and we dined together last night. And the first thing I'll say is, uh, as a client, this is a client that I look forward to coming to. And I look forward to being able to go through the very honest and very authentic rough and tumble of doing well. So the first thing our audience need to know is these are people really committed to running as good a business as they possibly can. And that's the context from which we've had a very, very significant conversation. And I think if I was to reflect on that, not just personally, but but globally as well, I think the work that you will do as a result of what we've done together is you're going to work harder at being clearer and clearer about the dozen, 15 things that have got to happen all the time to run an outstanding business and work harder together to stay focused on that and not distracted by other things. Because Dozer, for example, and this would be my answer to, to him, he will never stop having ideas. It's just when we introduce the idea and to what extent we use that as either a disruptor or an accelerator of the business. Ben, Ben's challenge is he can see something that needs to happen at the top line, and we had this conversation today, but already he immediately goes into process and steps and filling in the blanks and getting things done well at a level below. And I even said it to Ben today, I said, if the top line's clear, you've just got to frame up the way that we're going to get the bottom line filled in. But for Ben's temperament, if it's not filled in, it's not done. Therefore, it's not ready. Therefore, we haven't done a good enough job. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Release yourself of that pressure and that tension. Put it out there and say, over the next week or two, we're going to be filling in these gaps. But when you know that about yourself, when you know you will never stop having ideas, we don't want you to stop having ideas. It's about when we do the idea that becomes important. And when we know what's got to get done, the anxiety, that the good anxiety, the anxiety from responsibility that kicks in, he goes, ah, I know, I know how to fill in those gaps. When you do those things, I think you'll just continue to be able to work together even more effectively. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the next three to five months kick on for you too. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Guys, the reason why I asked that question was because I wanted you to hear the language that Rowan used because he just gave us a performance appraisal, right? So, you know, Rowan's been talking about some theory and then we just went into like how to make me a better leader, how to make him a better leader. And mate, um, yeah, I just want to say we appreciate you. The work that you're doing with us will impact millions around the world because mm -hmm. we're going to help all the studios that are shaping so many lives. So yeah, from all of them as well, I know they're probably screaming, you know, in their cars, listening to this or in the podcast when they're doing their errands, they are saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So mate, yeah, I just want to say thank you for being part of the John Mayer Unfiltered podcast and yeah, really appreciate you, dude. I love it. Thanks, Ro. No worries. I love it. I think if we can create better leaders, then we create better people and that's what it's all about. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. 
But if you want more right now, because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that, what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio, where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week.